goes. All right, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, we'll do the second half of what we started this morning, but we'll give just a, a brief review of what we talked about. Ephesians chapter 4, begin reading in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. What a, what a contrast. In verse 1, it's walk worthy of the, of the vocation wherewith ye are called. What is that? To be a son of God. To be a servant of the creator of the universe. Amen. What a high and lofty thing. And then verse 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. So it's a great, high, mighty, lofty calling, but you do it meek and lowly and humble and putting up with people doing you wrong. You know what? That's what some people can't take. They can't take the fact that serving God is going to cause people to just stomp on you a little bit. <laughs> and and it, it, there's no way in the world the first time it happens that you like it. I understand I'm not fussing at anybody. I'm not beating up anybody. But once you've been saved five years, ten years, fifteen years, somewhere in there, you ought to come to grips with the fact that the rewards are up in heaven and down here it's going to be hard. And as I always say, don't ever get tempted to quit on God because of that because I promise you just as sure as you go serve your flesh, the world, or the devil, you're going to find there's plenty of stomping there too. And it ain't a whole lot better in one place than it is the other. Humans are humans, and they're filthy, and they're sinners, and they all got things messed up with them. And, and even your honest, unsaved people, even your honest servants of the devil admit that, you know what, we're all messed up in a bunch of ways. Amen. Now, we Bible-believing Baptists, we have some things right. We have creation right. We know God created this earth. We have the inspiration of the Bible right, the preservation of the Bible, redemption on Calvary's cross the second coming of our Lord, Judgment Day. we got all that stuff right. But we're still just as wrong as we can be in our relationships and in our tempers and in our lust and in our deceit and our love for money and all. Ten million other things. We still have all the human problems, don't we? Now, we got creation and the Bible and heaven right, but let me tell you something. Every human that ever lived has two or three real big problems and a whole bunch of little problems. And just as long as you're human and got flesh, you're going to struggle with some of those things. And the fact that you've got your Bible right and salvation right and creation right and judgment day right and the second coming right doesn't necessarily help those others. Now, I hope it helps them some, but it's not going to make you attain perfection. It just isn't. And so it's a lofty calling, but listen, stay humble. Verse 2 follows right up on that wonderful vocation that we're called with to do it real humbly. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And I just can't even comment intelligently on that verse. I have no idea how you do that. Verse 4, there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given what? Grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Man, I can't read these verses without remembering Dr. Harold Seitler preaching from this passage. He would preach that and he'd say, And every one of you is given what? Grace. Not condemnation. Not judgment. Not what you deserve. Grace. And I remember Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina was erupt. And one time he got that myasthenia gratis. Gratis. 
however you say it, where one side of his face was kind of paralyzed and he couldn't pronounce his words properly. And it would set in as he would preach. But he had a grandson named Denny Carper that listened to him ever since he was a little boy, and now he's a grown man. <clears throat> and so when Dr. Seitler would be preaching in that myceniographus, or however you say it, would set in, he'd go sit down and he'd have his grandson come finish the sermon because he had them all memorized. <laughs> and then I remember Benny Carper getting up there and preaching this passage and doing it just like his grandfather did. And he had a real raspy boy. I mean, you could tell he, had wore, he wasn't but in his 20s and he had already wore his vocal cords out and screaming at the top of his lungs and preaching on it. And I remember his big old voice preaching. Only every one of you is given grace, not condemnation, grace. It was wonderful, wonderful things. But that's not what we're preaching tonight. Tonight we're preaching one baptism. And yet the title of our message is Different Baptisms. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you come down now and bear witness to the truth of your word. And we sure need you. And we're wasting our time here. We don't reveal these things to us because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned, Lord. And I pray you come uh, reveal them and just help us to be able to discern them spiritually. As your word says that we have to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, now we looked at these this morning and we saw uh, some baptisms. We saw Jewish baptism. We said the first baptism is Moses' baptism where they were baptized in the cloud and in the sea in the Old Testament going from Egypt to the promised land. And they came through some miraculous, wonderful things. And that was God baptizing Israel in the cloud and in the sea. Then we looked at John's baptism, that is John the Baptist. And he, what was the purpose for his baptism? To manifest Christ to Israel. Somebody's trying to get you to do what John the Baptist was doing to get saved. They're taking it out of context. It was not for a Gentile to figure out how to go to heaven when he dies. It was for Christ to be manifest to Israel. What was Christ doing for Israel? He was bringing in their kingdom. But he had to take care of some things first. That was the part they didn't get. All right, then we had Peter's baptism, real similar to John's baptism. It's a baptism of repentance. It's for the remission of sins and all those things. But with one big difference, Jesus had already died, and the Holy Spirit had been sent down in a sense that he had not been in the Old Testament law or even during the life of Christ. Because Jesus said, it's expedient for you if I go away, because if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go away, I will send him unto you. Now there's the therapist you need, is the Holy Spirit of yes, God. Sir, Capital C, Comforter. You need somebody to talk to about your problems? Above all else, and don't get me wrong, it helps to talk to humans. I thank God for my mom, my dad. I thank God for the people of Victory Baptist Church. I thank God for my close friends. It helps to talk to people. I'm not discounting that. But number one needs to be that you talk to the Lord. Amen. And your best comfort is going to come from Him. Amen. And so uh, Peter's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was for the remission of sins like, like John's. But it was with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, along with him, came gifts and speaking in tongues and healing and all kinds of things early in the book of Acts that they did because Israel was still trying to bring in that kingdom. And the Jews seek after a sign, don't they? But the Jews rejected him again. They rejected him in the Old Testament when they wanted a king like all the other countries. You know when you mess up? 
I mean, you want to be like everybody else around you. That is the number one sin of God's people in either testament is being like everybody else. You look at the same videos they look at, you just messed up. You listen to the same music they listen to, you just messed up. You wear the same clothes and use the same language they use, all right, you just messed up. Jesus makes a difference Amen. in you. You don't do what your flesh always feels like if Jesus is in control. Now, you slip up and do it sometimes, don't misunderstand, but that's not the way you live your whole life. You don't follow the world if Jesus is in control. The world hates Jesus. And you certainly don't follow the devil if Jesus is in control. Your three big enemies is your own flesh, the world, and the devil. Amen. So, when Jesus died and the Holy Spirit came down, that changed some things. Right. And by the way, when it says uh, for the remission of sins, it's not in order to get the remission of sins. It's because of the remission of sins. It's that word for, but it's like we use it, you go to jail for stealing. You don't go to jail in order to steal. You go to jail because you already did steal. Sometimes that word for is used that way. And you know me, I don't worship the Greek like some of these people do. But just because that is so important to them, I'll mention the Greek preposition that's used there bears me out in this. It does not say in order to get. It says because of what's already done. Uh, so when it says for the remission of sins, it's not in order to get remission of your sins. So those that teach that... Um, Acts 2.38 is a plan of salvation is wrong on two counts. Number one, because that's not even what's being asked there. How do I have eternal life? All that's being asked is, what do we do now when we've crucified our king that was bringing in our kingdom? That's the question. So number one, that's not the plan of salvation. Number two, even when he does say baptized for the remission of sins, it's not baptized in order to get remission of sins. It's baptized because of the fact that you already have the remission of sins. These are Jewish proselytes, and they, they're celebrating, and they've done all their stuff they're supposed to be doing within reason. All right, so that's Jewish baptism. Baptism unto Moses, John's baptism, and Peter's baptism. Then we looked at Jesus' baptism. Now, I'm not talking about his baptism by John. I kind of covered that under John the Baptist. I'm talking about Jesus' baptism when he talked about, there's a, I've got a baptism to be baptized of. And it's a baptism of suffering. Baptism means to be dipped into something. And he was dipped in or baptized into the suffering of anticipation. He had to live his life knowing what was coming. And I reminded you what it feels like to have in the back of your mind or a knot in your stomach because you remember something that's coming that you're dreading, that you're not caring for. And he had to think about that. And it was a suffering of loneliness. Uh, there were some things he was going through he just couldn't fellowship with other people about. They wouldn't understand. And finally, on the cross, he even had to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was even forsaken of the Father. Let me tell you something. You and I are never going to have to go through that. He took that for us. Right. And he went down into hell, we read there in Acts chapter 2. You and I aren't going to have to do that. Now, shouldn't we be happy that number one we're not going to be forsaken of the Father because he was and number two we're not going to have to go to hell because he did Amen. I'm thankful man that he back took that baptism for me Amen. but there is a figurative sense a spiritual sense 
which we do take somewhat of his baptism. He told his disciples, you shall indeed drink of the cup I'm about to drink of and be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with. He's talking about some of the persecution they were going through. And plenty of the disciples were persecuted and even martyred. And then over there in Romans chapter 6, he says, we are baptized into his death. So obviously it's not talking about being baptized in the water. I mean, being baptized into somebody's death is a different thing and clearly a figurative thing. All right, so that's Jewish baptism, and that's Jesus baptism. Now let's look at Gentile baptism. This is, the, this is where me and you get in. This is, uh, this is for Christians in the Gentile church age. This is for people in Crossville in 2023. All right, Gentile baptism. The first one is into Christ's body at salvation. When you get saved, you get baptized or dipped into or put into the body of Christ. Uh, a group is sometimes called a body. And we get put into that group. All right, let's look at our reference on that. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse... Uh, let's just get verse 12 to get the context here. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, made all, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Alright, so obviously that's not talking about water baptism. And obviously he's trying to draw a difference between the baptism that was just for Jews to this baptism that's for everybody. He even mentions Jew or Gentile. Why? Because John's and Peter's had been for Jews. And we looked at those verses that, in my opinion, prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Notice who does this baptism, though. God baptized Israel. John baptized Jews. Peter uh, talked about baptism of Jews. Jesus' baptism was God the Father baptizing Jesus in the sin and wrath and death and hell. But this one is the Holy Spirit baptizing. So uh, you know what I know? That baptism I did a few weeks ago back here in our baptistry, that, that was just little Bob, Bob baptizing some people. There was no ghost involved. <laughs> if there would have been a spirit up there doing any baptism, I'd have come running out of there. People wondered who's sloshing water on the carpet. I, and I've been moving too fast to explain. <laughs> okay, when we talk about a spirit baptizing you, we are not talking about water baptism. Amen. Just because you see the word baptism, don't think water. And just because you see the word water, don't think baptism. Amen. Water baptism is one of them, but it is not all of them. This one is clearly a spirit baptizing you into the body of Christ. This is done invisibly. At the time you get saved, you get put into the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to come to the water baptism that we did here a few weeks ago in a minute. But before you get into water baptism, you've got to be baptized in the body of Christ. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've got to be saved. That's why we Baptists have always called it believer's baptism. We don't just baptize just anybody. They have to be a believer. When the uh, Ethiopian eunuch said it, he was convinced. 
He wanted to follow this Jesus. He said, here's some water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? What did Philip say to him? If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. He said, I believe that Jesus what is. So he, he believed. He, he didn't say was. He believed he had resurrected from the dead. <laughs> so I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What did he do? He baptized him. Why? He's a believer. But he hesitated until he had made sure of that. That is a Baptist distinctive. As they call it. We think it's just being a Bible-believing Christian because that's what the Bible teaches. But since the group that agrees with what the Bible teaches are called Baptists, we go with it. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm talking about actual Baptists, not somebody that has Baptists written on their sign out front. <laughs> that's a different matter. There's every kind of liberal you can ever imagine have Baptists written on their sign out front. That's not really a Baptist. A Baptist is somebody that believes the Baptist distinctives, and one of them is believers baptism. So the first Gentile baptism, that's the one for me and you, is salvation. It's when you get baptized or dipped into the body of Christ, and that's done by the Holy Spirit. It is done to a believing sinner, and he is dipped into Christ's body. Colossians 2.12 says it this way, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. Alright, now that's your salvation. Now let's go to the second, more obvious, literal, physical water baptism that happens after you're saved. And that's in following Christ's example after salvation. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 10, and we'll see this one. Among other places. When you get saved, you're in the body of Christ. You know why I'm not worried about losing my salvation? Because I'm part of his crime. His body. Part of Christ's body. All right, Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive. See, there's a future receiving of remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. So they didn't get it at the point of water baptism. They get, they get it at the point of while Peter's still preaching to them, and lo and behold, apparently they're believing it. Verse 45, And they of the circumcision which, were, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which had received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So this is Gentiles that are being baptized, and they're being baptized after they believed when Peter preached. That's when Gentiles get baptized. Now there is uh, some difference here. They speak in tongues. When I finished baptizing these here a few weeks ago, did they come up speaking in tongues? What's the difference? In the book of Acts, he's still going to Israel, early in the book. It still is a sign to the Jews, because look at verse 45. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was to show those Jews, see, you can trust them. They got the same Holy Ghost you got. They got the same gifts you got. But whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And when Israel fully rejected the Lord, 
those sign gifts went away. So that's what's going on there. But it is after salvation. All right, now look at Matthew chapter 28. Here's the most famous uh, passage that talks about when you go out and teach all nations and baptize them. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That and just that alone is a great truth. Just stop and meditate on that a while. That the Jesus we serve has got all power. Whatever you need, he's got the power to do it, fix it, take care of it, whatever. If he doesn't, it's because as much as he loves you, it must not be best for you. Now, I know that's not always what we want to hear. But he's got the power to do it. It ain't that he, he can't. You know, we might joke around occasionally and tell a little joke, you know. <laughs> I was facing this big problem. <laughs> I was married to this real difficult person. And I was crying and praying. <laughs> and the Lord said, oh, sorry, even I can't help you with that one. Ha, 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 you know, we might make you tell a joke, you know. <laughs> and other ones probably praying the same thing about us. But in real life, seriously, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He's got the power to do it. If it needs to be taken care of, he can take care of it. Now, in light of that, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Started, the part we read started with Jesus having all power and it ended with him being with you. Isn't that a blessing that you've got the person with all power with you all the way to the end? Praise God. But in the meantime, you be out teaching all nations, not just Jews, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. All right, now back to the passage we read over there in Acts chapter 10. At first glance, you might think he said it a little bit differently, but he doesn't really. Verse 48, it says, Baptize in the name of the Lord. Well, guess what? Father and Son and Holy Ghost are all called the Lord. Um, the Holy Spirit, it says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we know the Holy Spirit is the Lord. Philippians 2, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the, God the Father. So we know Jesus, the Son of God, is Lord. Mark 12, 36, for David himself said by the Holy Ghost, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Well, whose hand, whose right hand is he sitting on? The Father. So we know the Father is the Lord. Right. So if you're baptized in the name of the Lord, you're baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So therefore, it's perfectly legitimate that these Gentiles were baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, what were the Jews baptized in the name of? In the name of Jesus Christ, because he's their Messiah. So when you see baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you're talking about a Jewish baptism bringing the Messiah in to set up their kingdom. When you're talking about baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you're talking about baptizing a Gentile that's believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see how you make that division? The Bible says rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's how you know which one you're dealing with. 
All right, so we've seen this morning Jewish baptism and Jesus baptism. We've seen tonight Gentile baptism. Now let's look at the baptism of fire. Baptism of fire. All right, turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Sometimes some that aren't haven't studied the word, in my opinion, like they should have. They said, oh, Lord, baptize us with fire. Baptize us with fire. No, you don't want that one. That's the bad one. That's for the other team. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. Here is uh, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And he says, uh, and now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. And we talked about John's baptism. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now we've talked about that Holy Ghost baptism. That's when you get saved and the Spirit takes you and puts you in the body of Christ. So we know about that. But what's this and with fire? Uh-oh. This is when Jesus does the baptizing. And who gets baptized? The rejecting sinner. Right. Where do they get baptized into? Into the lake of fire. Right. If you don't believe in an eternally burning lake of fire in hell, you'd better be right. Because eternity in a lake of fire is a long time to be wrong. As it says on Brother Schlechty's bumper sticker. Eternity in hell is a long time to be wrong. And let me tell you who did believe in an eternally burning lake of fire. The Lord Jesus Christ. He talked more about hell and fire than any other character in the Bible. True. So if you don't believe in that, you disagree with Jesus. Amen. Not some hellfire and damnation Baptist. Jesus. He did it. He, he talked about that. He talked about it more than any other Bible character. All right, let's see if I've got Revelation 20 down here. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, how do you turn somebody into ashes? You burn them. <laughs> I can't think of any other way to do it. Second Thessalonians 1. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That's Malachi the prophet, that's Paul the apostle, that's John the revelator, all three, not to mention Jesus, mention it more than any of them, talking about an eternally burning fire. Uh, that's not the baptism anybody wants that has half a brain, is it? Hell and the lake of fire after rejecting the Lord. Now, who was it prepared for? It was prepared for the devil and his angels, not man. If you end up there, you are not supposed to be there. Amen. 
If you end up there, don't blame God. Number one, he didn't make it for you. He didn't intend for you to be there. And after your whole race fell into sin and you were automatically um, tending to go there, he did everything he could do to stop it up to and including giving his son to shed his blood and sacrifice things he would have never sacrificed outside of your need. If you end up there, you end up there in spite of him doing everything he could do to stop you from going. That's on you if you end up there. And don't misunderstand. I, I, I admit that God has some responsibility there. If he created a race of people, and if he is all-knowing and has foreknowledge and knows that they would sin and therefore end up in a lake of fire, he does have some responsibility to do something about it. And he did Amen. everything that a holy God can do to stop it. He did. But if you're that set and determined to go, he does believe in free will and he will let you go. But he's sorry for it. He didn't intend it. That's not who it was made for. And he couldn't do anything else to stop it and still be holy. He did everything he could that's the baptism of fire. Psalm 140 says, Let burning coals be cast upon them. Let them be cast into the fire in the deep pits that they rise not up again. Man. The Bible teaches this. Get a concordance and study fire. Fire, fire is the word of God. All right. What have we seen today? We'll get news out early tonight since we already preached half of it this morning. We've seen three Jewish baptisms. We've seen Jesus' baptism. We've seen two Gentile baptisms. And then the universal baptism. If you're keeping count, that's seven baptisms. Dr. Ruckman has a similar message called seven baptisms. I just went ahead and categorized mine differently by the race that it went to. The Jews, the Gentiles, Jesus, and the universal. And so I just categorized mine a little differently, but it's a lot of the same material. As our opening text reveals, there's only one to be primarily concerned with. Before you're worried about water baptism, and certainly before you're worried about Jewish baptism or Jesus baptism, you know what you need to be concerned with? You need to be concerned with whether or not you've been baptized into the body of Christ. And you get that one by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. When they asked that question in the book of Acts, what shall we do now that we've crucified our Messiah? That's not the question you need to be asking. You need to be asking, what must I do to be saved? And you know how the apostle answers that clearly? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Now when you get that one down, when you know you've trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then amen, it's a good thing to follow him in believe his baptism. You want to identify with Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? So that's a good second thing. But first, make sure you receive him as your Savior. Nothing amen. in the world more important than that. And then as you study your Bible, you can learn about the Jewish baptism and some of the details of Jesus' baptism and God will help us know about the baptism of fire that unfortunately those that reject the Lord Jesus end up getting. Don't think that you're good enough just because you're in his world that he created or you're among some of his acquaintances or you're in his church or you're in a nation or a family that professes his name. 
many will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. You received the Lord Jesus Christ and you get to know him by believing on him. And you talk to him through his word and through prayer. There's a lot of people, well, this is a Christian nation, isn't it? I must be Christian. Well, grandma was a Christian, so I must be a Christian. No, it's an individual decision that you receive the Lord Jesus Christ and then get into his body. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to read and study your word. Thank you for the truths that we find here. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us. God, I pray that you'd help.